Welcome listeners, but take heed, we will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. Before we begin, please be aware, we have a tendency to swear. You have been warned, make no mistake, so join us now, we're For Fox Sake. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Carly, and the gravy-loving Gryffindor to my right is Ellen. I put that shit on everything. We do like a good gravy. It's also really good comfort food. So now that the weather's colder and everybody in our lives have been sick lately, it's definitely a good thing. But hey, we're back. But we're back. We may still sound a little off, but we're back. Excuse my lisp. It's not as bad as you think. It was really bad last night. It was very bad last night. But let's just move forward and fly into our Phoenix flashback. A couple weeks ago, we covered the second half of Chapter 5, An Excess of Phlegm, and the barely corresponding film scenes. We see the ever-delightful Flor Delacour come back to the story. However, she is being far too over-helpful for the likes of Mrs. Weasley. Harry, Ron, and Hermione receive their OWL results. Shocking no one, Hermione receives all outstandings except for one exceeds expectations. Shocking some, Harry and Ron both did fairly well. The Weasleys decide to head to Diagon Alley now that they've received their Hogwarts letters. Unless you're watching the movie where none of that happens. But we get a thirsty moment of, who's here? Who's Harry Potter? During episode 203, Vila Whammy, Our Potter pondering was, what are your thoughts on how Molly, Jenny, and Hermione talked about Floor? Hi, this is Jessica calling in my Potter pondering. I do agree with you guys that some of the nicknames and insults about Floor were going a bit too far, like with cow and whatnot. Phlegm, I can agree, is funny just because, like, you know, it's a twist on her name, not necessarily, like, an insult then to her looks or her intelligence. But yeah, I do agree that some of the complaints about her and stuff were going too far. And why is Hermione involved? Like, why doesn't Hermione like her? Like, you know, I guess because Ron's falling all over her. But at the same time, she isn't in the same situation as Ginny and Molly are necessarily. Because, I mean, especially come Christmas when Fleur is constantly complaining about the music that Molly puts on and she's not doing her best to come off in the best way either. Like, she could be trying a little bit harder to be nice, whether it is like the barrier between, you know, because she's French or whatever. But it's kind of like that cringe is like... It's hard to listen to, you know, at the same time as it's, like, kind of understandable, but I do think that they take it a little bit too far. But yeah, sorry if I was rambling, I didn't write this one down. (laughs) All right, bye. My name is Zach Thurston, and this is my Potter pondering on my thoughts on Ginny, Ron, Harry, and Hermione talking about phlegm. I mean fleur. I always enjoyed those, because I liked it at the beginning when Harry was kind of still catching up because he had just gotten there and he wasn't really 
adept or uh, adept to what was going on and he thought they were talking about molly which i always thought that was pretty funny but uh i think it's it adds a fun like dynamic to it it just adds a little bit something like i don't know kind of humorous because i feel like those last couple books are so dark it does add like a fun little humor to it but i also like how you get to watch their relationship with fleur grow and they become you know obviously closer than when they you know go to shell cottage after malfoy manor and you know she's so helpful and i think they really start to realize that she is deep down a great person uh even though she's a little obsessed with herself uh but some of us are but yeah that's my potter pondering thanks hi ladies this is kendra i'm calling you my potter pondering in regards to one of my thoughts on how the girls talked about fleur i have so many thoughts but they're kind of like very like they go different ways and of course, like the right answer is that they should not be talking smack about her. And, you know, like if the world was a perfect place, no one should be talking smack about anybody. That would be wonderful. However, being a female for, you know, my whole 44 years of my life, I also understand how petty we can be sometimes. I mean, just, you know, like not on a constant basis, but there's certain things that sometimes trigger these things. And I can't, so I can kind of understand bits of it. I don't agree with it, but like, you know, you get parts of Fleur that seem to be, you know, she comes across rude and not very like understanding of other people and different things. Like even just at Hogwarts and how she communicates to the, you know, as a few times there was some communication with her that was shown, you know, there was just, it came up abrupt and not very warm. And so I can see how that can, you know, upset some of the other females, you know, especially, especially like you guys pointed out all their boys are looking at her, you know, like, I mean, we don't even know, like, how that affected even Molly, like, was Arthur flabbergasted when we saw her, like, you know, so you you add that into someone who doesn't seem warm and fuzzy on the outside, and again, that could totally be a cultural thing, because we get the idea over time that she actually is, like, probably if they were nice to her, she, you know, it would have been a totally different scene, and that's really what the right thing would have been, but I feel like I can understand the internal upset that they were having i don't agree about talking like that the words that word cow totally got me like you know i love jenny she's one of my favorites she should never have said that but i can understand where they were coming from while i do not agree with it so i hope that makes sense all right bye thank you so much for your responses our trivia question last week was where does narcissus say they'll do better at instead of madame malkin's Narcissus says, now I know the kind of scum that shops here will do better at Twilfit and Tuttings. Congratulations goes to Jessica Wallace. Yay! This is two wins in a row, so yay for a streak. Is Kalista going to be back to ruin it for her? Maybe. We gave y'all some extra practice this week with our trivia posts, so will someone else sweep in for the win? You never know. For now, let's dive into the first half of Chapter 6, Draco's Detour, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Chapter 6, Draco's Detour, Part 1 Harry spends the majority of the next few weeks in the Burroughs Garden, playing Quidditch with Hermione, against Ron and Ginny, and eating triple helpings of everything Mrs. Weasley offers him during dinner. If the holiday wasn't full of disappearances odd accidents, and the occasional death reported in the prophet, it would have been completely happy and peaceful. 
They sometimes get the news from Bill or Mr. Weasley before it even reaches the paper. And Harry's 16th birthday is marred with news from Remus Lupin about more Dementor attacks and the discovery of Igor Karkaroff's body in a shack up north. He says he's surprised Karkaroff lasted a year after deserting the Death Eaters, as Sirius's brother, Regulus, only managed a few days. Mrs. Weasley tries to change the subject, but Bill mentions that it looks like Florian Fortescue was dragged off from his ice cream parlor, and Mr. Weasley follows up with the disappearance of Ollivander, mentioning that there's no sign of a struggle, the shop is simply empty. Jenny is concerned what people will do for wands, and Lupin says that they will have to make do with others, but says that Ollivander was the best, and if the other side has him, it's not good for them. The day after Harry's gloomy birthday tea, their letters and supplies list arrive from Hogwarts, and Harry is surprised to see that he has been made Quidditch captain. Hermione is happy for him because it gives him equal status to the prefix, and Ron is excited for Harry to be his captain, assuming he lets him back on the team. Mrs. Weasley sighs, knowing they can't put off their trip to Diagon Alley much longer, saying they will go on Saturday as long as their father doesn't have to go into work again. Ron laughs at his mom, asking if she honestly thinks you-know-who is going to be hiding behind a bookshelf in Flourish and Block. Mrs. Weasley angrily asks her son if he thinks Fortescue and Ollivander went on holiday and threatens to leave him behind if he thinks security is a laughing matter. This immediately changes Ron's tune, but Mrs. Weasley balances the clock with all the hands pointing to mortal peril on her laundry and also adds that that goes for returning to Hogwarts as well. As his mum storms out of the room, Ron looks at Harry and comments on how you can't even make a joke around there anymore. However, over the next few days, he's very careful to avoid speaking flippantly of Voldemort. They make it to Saturday and still plan to go to Diagon Alley, but Mrs. Weasley is very tense during breakfast. Bill is with them since he plans on staying home with Fleur, and he passes a full money bag to Harry. Ron wants to know where his is, and Bill calls him an idiot, telling him that was already Harry's money. It's taking nearly five hours to get gold out of Gringotts due to Titan security. He also mentions how Archie Philpot had a probity probe stuck somewhere that he decides not to mention, instead saying to trust him that it's just easier this way. Fleur purrs and strokes his nose, calling him so thoughtful. Ginny pretends to vomit in her cereal behind her, which makes Harry choke on his. Ron appreciates that the group gets to take ministry cars to Diagon Alley again, and Mr. Weasley tells him not to get used to it. It's only because of Harry, who has been given top-grade security status. They will also be joined by additional security at the Leaky Cauldron. Harry is not pleased at the idea of shopping with a bunch of Aurors, and feels that his invisibility cloak should be good enough since it is for Dumbledore, though he isn't actually sure the Ministry knows about the cloak. When they arrive outside the Leaky Cauldron, Harry is pleased to see that it isn't Aurors waiting for them, but actually Hagrid. He sweeps Harry into a bone-crushing hug, and mentions that Buckbeak, Witherwings, is happy to be back in the open air. Harry responds that he's glad he's pleased, 
and comments that he didn't realize security meant him. Hagrid calls it like old times, saying the ministry wanted to send Aurors, but Dumbledore said he'd do. They make their way through the leaky cauldron, disappointing a hopeful Tom by telling him they are only passing through. Once in the little courtyard, Hagrid taps a specific brick with his pink umbrella, and the brick wall opens to a winding cobbled street. The once colorful glittering window displays are now all covered by purple Ministry of Magic posters of the security advice and known Death Eaters at large. Some, like Florian Fortescue's ice cream parlor, are boarded up, and there are now several shabby-looking stalls standing along the street. The nearest one with a cardboard sign that states it is selling amulets that are effective against werewolves, dementors, and inferi. Mr. Weasley mutters a comment about what he'd do if he was on duty, but Mrs. Weasley keeps them all on track to do their shopping, suggesting they start with Madame Malkins. Arthur suggests they split up, instead of all of them trying to go to the robe shop, saying Harry, Ron, and Hermione can go with Hagrid, while they go to Flourish and Blotts to get everyone's books. Mrs. Weasley is nervous about this, but Hagrid insists it will be fine, and they all set off. Harry notices that many of the people they pass have the same harried look as Mrs. Weasley. They are staying in tightly knit groups, intent on their business, and no one is shopping alone. Hagrid suggests he wait outside while they go into Madame Malkin's, since it'll be a squeeze otherwise, and so Ron, Harry, and Hermione enter the shop alone. It seems to be empty at first, but then they hear a familiar voice coming from behind a rack of blue and green dress robes. Draco Malfoy is insisting to his mother that he isn't a child and is perfectly capable of doing his shopping on his own. Madame Malkin is on his mother's side, saying no one should go wandering off on their own anymore, but Draco cuts her off to yell at her to watch where she's sticking her pin. He then notices the trio in the mirror and narrows his eyes as he tells his mother that smell is from the mudblood who just walked in. Madame Malkin tells him not to use that kind of language, and then admonishes Ron and Harry for pulling their wands out. Malfoy sneers at them, telling them they wouldn't do magic outside of school, and Madame Malkin asks Malfoy's mum for support. Narcissa tells them to put their wands away, and threatens them if they attack her son again, calling it the last thing they ever do. Harry steps forward and looks her right in the face as he challenges her, asking if she's going to get some of her Death Eater pals to do them in. Madame Malkin squeals and clutches her chest, telling them not to make those accusations and also telling them to put their wands away. Harry still doesn't, and Narcissa tells him that being Dumbledore's favorite has given him a false sense of security, but he won't always be there to protect him. Harry mocks her, looking around the shop and saying, he's not there now, so she should have a go, and then maybe they can find her a double cell in Azkaban with her loser husband. Malfoy snarls at Harry to not speak to his mother like that, but Narcissa tells him that it's all right. She expects Potter will be reunited with dear Sirius before she is reunited with Lucius. Harry raises his wand higher, and Hermione tells him not to since he'll get in so much trouble. Madame Malkin attempts to pretend nothing is happening and returns to pinning Draco's robes. But as she moves to adjust his left sleeve, he yells, ouch, 
and tells her again to watch where she's putting her pins, before telling his mother that he doesn't think he wants them anymore. He pulls them off and throws them at Madame Malkin's feet as Narcissa agrees, saying that now she knows the kind of scum who shops there, they'll do better at Twilfit and Taddings. They both leave the shop, Malfoy purposely banging into Ron as hard as he can. Madame Malkin picks up the robes and runs her wand over them like a vacuum to clean off the dust before distractedly outfitting Ron and Harry for their new robes and trying to sell Hermione wizard-dressed robes rather than witches. When she finally bows them out of the shop, she seems glad to be rid of them. Hagrid asks them if they got everything when they emerge, and Harry says just about before asking if he saw the Malfoys. Hagrid isn't concerned since he doesn't think they will make trouble in Diagon Alley. They then meet up with the others and Mrs. Weasley says they should stop at the Apothecary and Ilops on the way to Fred and George's, telling them to stick close. Harry and Ron don't purchase any potions ingredients since they won't be studying potions, but they do both buy some owl nuts for Hedwig and Pigwidgeon. Then they all make their way to Weasley's Wizard Wheezes and are shocked when they find a storefront with the left-hand window so dazzlingly full of goods that revolve, pop, flash, bounce, and shriek that people are stopping transfixed. The right-hand window has a gigantic purple poster, like the ministry ones, but this one is emblazoned with flashing yellow letters that read, Why are you worrying about you-know-who? You should be worrying about you-know-poo the constipation sensation that's gripping the nation. Harry starts to laugh, but Mrs. Weasley is sure they are going to be murdered in their beds. Ron, who is also laughing, doesn't think they will because it's brilliant. He and Harry lead the way into the shop, which is packed with customers. There are boxes piled to the ceiling, showing the skiving snack boxes, bins of trick wands, boxes of quills, including self-inking, spell-checking, and smart answer. Harry manages to push his way to the counter through a space in the crowd, finding a gaggle of ten-year-old girls watching a tiny wooden man slowly ascending the steps to a real set of gallows, perched on a box that reads, Reusable Hangman, spell it or he'll swing. Hermione manages to get through the crowd and finds a display portraying patented daydream charm. A simple incantation lets the user enter a top-quality, highly realistic 30-minute daydream. She calls it really extraordinary magic, and a voice behind her offers her one for free for the compliment. They turn to see Fred, wearing a set of magenta robes. He shakes Harry's hand and asks Hermione what happened to her eye. When she responds that it was his punching telescope, he offers her a tub of bruise remover that will get rid of it within the hour. Hermione asks if it is safe, and Fred insists it is, before offering Harry a tour. Harry follows him toward the back of the shop, leaving Hermione to dab the yellow paste onto her black eye. So yeah, none of that happened in the movie. Nope, not at all. So it was all just, like, set up. The first half of this chapter was predominantly set up, but there was fun stuff that happened during it that would have been nice to see. I think that's a big thing that I don't like about the movies is they leave out the a lot of the wholesome moments between like the Weasleys and Harry 
and just like the general i think i've said it before that i'd like to see like how harry lives his day-to-day life right and we don't get that day-to-day with the movies they're like be done be done be done move the plot forward move the plot forward move the plot forward but yeah like you said it's harry at the burrow and he's so happy there they get to play Quidditch in the garden. I also would have absolutely loved to see Harry and Hermione try to play Quidditch against Ron and Ginny. I like in the book when it describes how they're playing. It says Hermione is awful and Ginny quite good. So, so they were reasonably well matched. It pretty much implies that, that Ron, Ron is, is not awful. that great. <laughs> He's good when he's on form, and Harry makes that point in this book a lot. The way I see it balancing out is that Harry is better than Ginny at Quidditch, but Ginny is better than Ron, and Hermione just sucks. So <laughs> She's just there for a pretty face. When you take the Quidditch star and the sucky one and, like, average their skill, okay. it comes out to similar to, to... Ginny and yeah. Ron averaged. Ginny is probably a lot better than that, though, because she does go on to join the Hollyhead Harpies. Well, I'm sure she is actually better than that, but Harry is really good. I guess she also has, like, just started getting where she's actually playing. Yeah, she had a lot of natural skill, and now she gets to actually employ it it and improve it and build upon it. I also love the fact that they mentioned that Mrs. Weasley offers him triple helpings of everything during dinner. I need a Mrs. Weasley meal. Oh, my God. We should do like a full Mrs. Weasley meal when we get our cooking show back up and going. And when my tongue feels better. Yes. With lots of gravy. Yes. (laughs) Full circle. They do mention the fact that everything would have been absolutely amazing if their holiday also wasn't dotted with mentions of disappearances and odd accidents and even the occasional death getting reported either in the profit or news from Bill or Mr. Weasley before it enters the paper, occasionally Remus as well. Because <laughs> on Harry's 16th birthday, so now we're at July 31st, Remus comes and mentions... There's been more Dementor attacks, and they found Igor Karkaroff's body in a shack up north. So he's been shit-murdered by the murder munchers, or maybe Voldemort himself. Is it in a shack up north where they are, or is it, like, up north in, like, Bulgaria? Because that's where he was from, right? Right. I'm intrigued, but uh, we will never know. In the general northward direction somewhere. I like this aside to Harry's birthday. This is like the most least mentioned Harry birthday. And it's kind of funny because the 16th birthday in the U.S. is a really big deal. Because you get your driver's license. You usually get a car for your 16th birthday and stuff like that. So it's funny they kind of gloss over Harry's 16th. This is the only birthday in the whole series that they kind of gloss over. Yeah, it gets mentioned, but that's about it. It's not a big deal like it is in three. That's where our book starts. It starts with Harry's 13th birthday. And then when he turns 11, that's such a big deal. And when he turns 12, it starts, the book starts on his 12th birthday. You know, it's, this is the only one where it's like, Eh. and there's his birthday. Yeah. I think that's interesting. 
because 17 is the big deal in yeah. the wizarding world. So the next birthday is a huge deal. And it definitely gets mentioned and acknowledged. Indeed. And presents. And presents. I like the fact that Remus mentions he's surprised Karkaroff lasted a whole year after deserting the murder munchers. He says that Sirius's brother Regulus only managed a few days. And I would love to know what they think happened to Regulus. Because for all intents and purposes, they have to think he just disappeared. Before he died, Sirius said from his understanding, he got on the wrong side of Voldemort. He said, yeah, but they don't know. They don't. They don't know what he did. They don't know the sacrifice. And Harry tells other people, but I mean, Remus never gets to know that. Sirius yeah. never gets to know. Well, I mean, if you believe in an afterlife. He probably They does. do. But... When we get there, we'll talk about it more. But like Creature's trauma from all of that happening, seeing the person who cared about him most being dragged to the bottom of the lake by Inferi. No wonder yeah. Creature's a grumpy gills. Well, yeah. And that Sirius treats him like garbage and talks probably pretty bad about his brother, honestly, because he thinks he's a stupid kid who yeah. just... It just know. makes me really curious to know what they did know. What made them think he got on the bad side of Voldemort? Did they know if he did anything? Because I wonder if Snape told them, like, I don't know what happened, but, but maybe he got on the wrong side. It would seems like Snape have known? Side. You'd think that Snape doesn't know about the Horcruxes, I guess, but Voldemort had no idea that his locket had gone missing. That's true. And so I mean, technically, what do they know happened. It had to just look like he just disappeared. Sirius said that Voldemort killed him. Yeah. Why does he know that? But Voldemort didn't kill him. He got dragged to the bottom of the lake by the Inferi. I'm sure that he knew that Regulus was a murder muncher. He did know that. He said that his brother joined up when he was 16. Yeah. And I'm sure that he knew he eventually just disappeared and assumed. Like, it had to all be an assumption. He told Creature to keep quiet, so, yeah. like, Creature is still obeying his orders, even though he's not around. Like, I don't think he told anybody. I mean, he tells them the story, sort of. It's possible they got enough information out of Creature to fill in the blanks themselves. But it's interesting to me, because... Yeah, like, what do they what think What do they happened? know? What do they think happened? I'd love... They never gave us those details. Are and there... once we later find out what really did happen, you know they don't know that. yeah. Are there other people that have left the Death Eaters that maybe would come and tell, like, Dumbledore? I don't think that there are. He does have spies on the inside. But is he only strictly talking about Snape? Snape's so high up that he wouldn't really need anybody else. No, but it wouldn't hurt to have somebody on the lower levels to listen to other people. But it is interesting to think about. I would, I would take a Regulus fanfic about yeah. what happened. Oh, yeah. I'd love to know more about Regulus. Mrs. Weasley, however, would not. She's <laughs> desperately trying to change the subject every time something murder muncher or Voldemort related comes up. Birthday. And, Birthday. Right? <laughs> and Bill is not playing along with this at all because now he's talking about how it looks like Florian Fortescue was dragged off from his ice cream parlor. Harry's like, he used to give me free ice creams. So we talked about this a little after the last episode that we recorded. Why did he take Florian? Did he want ice cream? Maybe. It kind of makes me wonder if there's more about that. Voldemort is a glutton for some ice cream. Could be. I actually think that Florian Fortescue is probably a very outspoken 
anti-Voldemort person. Yeah, he could have been. Maybe he made an anti-Voldemort flavor. Maybe. I think that this book and the next book, it starts lining up with how Nazi Germany was run. Yeah. So obviously when people showed favor towards Jewish people, they got run out. So Florian Fortescue, his family is old. They are an old family. They take care of everybody. They work in Diagon Alley. That's what they do. Like, I'm sure that they have serviced lots of different people, muggle-borns, purebloods, half-bloods, whatever, you know, over the course of the years. Yeah. So I'm sure it's more like, oh, you're a muggle-born sympathizer. Yeah, or maybe he wanted to start franchising in the muggle world. I'm also here for that, yes. <laughs> Give me some magical ice cream. Mr. Weasley is also not on board with the changing the subject because he follows this up with the disappearance of Ollivander. Which they take Ollivander because they need the wand lore. But also Ollivander has to service whoever comes into his shop. So he also services Muggleborns. And we saw that at the beginning of the movie, though. You didn't really know because he's covered up and you're like, oh, what's going on? But yeah, it, I think you said then if you know the shop well enough, you could recognize yeah, it. Yeah, because the front of it has those very distinct round windows. Mm -hmm. So, But in the book, they specifically say there's no sign of struggle. The shop's just empty. So that's not how they did that's it in hilarious. the movie. <laughs> the windows are the like blown out. Right? <laughs> stuff everywhere. Dramatize it for well, the movie. You know. Ginny wants to know what people will do for wands, because that's all they know for wands, but Lupin does tell them that there are other wand makers. Ollivander was just the best. That's kind of silly because there literally are other wand makers in Diagon Alley. Like, you had to pass their... Poor... Those poor guys. They're probably like, God damn it, Ollivanders. God damn it. Do you want to buy a wand? Yeah. <laughs> just like real quiet. I got wands too. Minor affordable. It's not seven gallons. It's Vila hair. Right? Because Ollivander specifically says he doesn't use Vila hair because they're temperamental. temperamental. Yeah. So I wonder if somebody does use Vila hair. I mean, obviously, because I, Fleur's has it. So Fleur's wand has it in there. But I feel like Fleur's family probably commissioned her wand to be made since it's her grandmother's Vila hair. Yeah, that's entirely possible, which is interesting. Does it work as well for her? Or was it chosen? I wonder if you can do something with like wand stuff where you like, I'm doing a weird wax on wax off move. She is. You guys can't see. But like if you hold your hand over certain like magical woods, if you know one sparks for you, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, like you can build your lightsaber from scratch and your lightsaber and your kyber crystal will work with you based on how your but lightsabers don't choose the Jedi. But they work. It's similar because the weird midichlorians work with your Jedi powers and all yeah. that stuff. So when you make your lightsaber, your kyber crystal kind of speaks to you. And that's, you know, like, does the wood, <laughs> does the wood speak to you? Oh, does... it speaks to me. <laughs> Like, does the length to speak to like? I, I have would a be new head cannon now, because they say that the wand chooses the wizard, mm -hmm. and Fleur probably did not have a wand choose her if it was commissioned for her. I bet if she had a wand that chose her, she would have won the quad wizard tournament. She might have. She might have. They say that you can use other wands, but yeah, Harry uses Hermione's wand, and it works okay. It works it just okay. Work great. 
And then he mentioned that that Blackthorn wand works as well as Hermione's did for mm-hmm. him, but it wasn't the same as his wand. His wand that shows him. Yeah, and that's why Ron gets better. I think after when he second gets his actual wand, he, you know, he was using Charlie's old wand that had the unicorn hair poking out of the top, which is adorable. I wonder if Charlie's wand was a hand me down too. I doubt it because he's second born. They probably would have had money at that point to buy stuff. But still, it's, you know. It's just interesting that Charlie gets a new wand or maybe because it was running thin, he gave it to Rod and just, I have money now. I'll buy my own. Yeah. But I mean, like. Because he was out of school before Ron even started. Yeah. He finished the year before Ron started, I think. Maybe it had a mishap with a dragon. And he was just like, I'm going to get a new one. Mm-hmm, excuse me. Here, Ron, you can have this. I find this really interesting, though. You can't, like, magically fix wands. Unless you have the Elder Wand. Unless you have the Elder Wand. Which Harry... No, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But it is expected of these 11-year-olds to keep a stick of wood... <laughs> Have you seen what they do to pencils? I just imagine all of the wands having teeth marks in them. Oh, my gosh. Yes. (laughs) But maybe they, like, are... I can't imagine they are, like, magically fitted to not break as easily because Ron's wand broke really easily. In a car accident into a tree that hits back. That might not have been easily. I mean, it hit the dashboard, though. I feel like that's not... Well, I guess maybe it hit really hard. But still... I couldn't keep a pair of glasses together when I was 11. Right. So, like, these kids are expected. So, if you can't magically fix a wand, how many wands will choose you? I guess as many as are needed. Interesting. I think we should do a Potterheads a history about wand lore at some point, too. I would like to do that. Yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe get a wand maker. If you're a wand maker, contact us. Ooh, yeah. But anyway... All of this news on Harry's birthday makes it a bit gloomy as they describe it. It'd be like that. But the next day, they get their letters and their supply lists from Hogwarts. And that's much more exciting because now they can't put off going to Diagon Alley any further. And Ron's like, we finally get to go to see our brother shop. That is exactly how he does it. I'm sure of it. And then on top of that, Harry finds out that he's the Quidditch captain, and that's pretty fucking awesome. Who do you think lobbied for that? Oh, definitely Minerva McGonagall. Absolutely. Because Katie's been there longer, so thinking rightfully so, it should probably be her. But I'm sure Minnie was like, absolutely not Harry James Potter. Uh huh. <laughs> well, and he's probably a better player than her. He might be. Maybe she didn't want it, too. That is true. But she says, I thought you might get that. Yeah. (laughs) But Hermione's pretty happy about this because it gives them equal status to prefix. They get to use the fancy bathroom. And oh, my God, I want a bathroom with a swimming pool, essentially. Have you gone into the prefix bathroom on Hogwarts Legacy? (laughs) It's so cool. Ah! I finally have been playing the game, y'all. I finally have been playing the game, and it's I'm happened. obsessed, which is exactly what I knew would happen, but I get to do it with my kitties on the couch, so. Anywho, obviously Ron is excited because now Harry is going to be his captain, but he does specifically say, if you let, if me. You let me back on the team, ha ha. <laughs> which is funny because I don't think that the other captains actually held 
tryouts for the people that were already on the team. They just did tryouts for the people to replace. I think Harry has a lot of people to replace. He he needs beaters, two beaters. He needs two chasers. That's four people. That's yeah, a lot. It's like half the team. So then I'm sure with all the shit he's been taking from like people being like, oh, you're putting your best friend on the team. I'm sure he felt like he had to do keeper yeah. tryouts as well. We'll just try out everyone and see who makes it back. But they decide that they're going to go to Diagon Alley on Saturday as long as Mr. Weasley doesn't have to work because Molly's just like, all right, can't put it off any longer. And Ron laughs, which was a mistake because he's dumb enough to say, do you honestly think you know who is going to be hiding behind a bookshelf and flourish and blots? And like, how Shut like, up, were Ronald. you born yesterday? <laughs> like, what makes you think that's the thing to say to your mother? He's not thinking. He's 16 and mouthy. Oh, my God. Because she immediately was just like, oh, do you think Fortescue and Ollivander went on holiday? Like, obviously, they have been. And this is the closest moment that I think we have to Mrs. Weasley in the book looking like Mrs. Weasley in the movie, the way they described it in the previous scene, because she threatens him of not going back to Hogwarts. Mom lusted a bit. Yeah. If you think that security is a laughing matter, you don't need to go with the Sadiagonale. And for that matter, that can apply to Hogwarts as well. And Ron's just like, oh, nope, I'm good. We can totally go with security. I'm not. You know she wouldn't do that, though. She would be like, I don't want to homeschool this kid. God, right. Go to school. I can't. But it is a good mom threat. It is a good mom threat. Ron is at least smart enough to not say anything else in front of his mom. But the moment she stomps out of the room, he's just like, man, you can't even make a joke around here anymore. No, you can't, Ronald Billius Weasley. Calm down. Not about shit where people are dying, dude. Not about shit where people are dying. But he is smart enough not to make comments like that around his mom. So they make it to Saturday. They get to go to Diagon Alley and Mrs. Weasley's kind of losing her shit about it. I get the mama mode now. Like, yeah, I understand. It makes me sad. Bill is with them, but he's not going to go to Diagon Alley. He gets to go there all the time working at Gringotts. He's going to stay part. with Fleur. And he gives Harry a full money bag. And Ron just where's like, mine? where's mine? <laughs> Bill's just like, that's already Harry's, you idiot. <laughs> Apparently, it's taking nearly five hours just to get gold out of Gringotts because they have the security measures so high. God. He makes some comment about how Archie Philpot had a probity probe stuck, stuck up, up his. his... <laughs> well, just Never. trust me, it's better this way. <laughs> I'm curious about this, though. If it takes that long... For them to get gold out of Green Guts, if you go in as like a Muggleborn, which I'm very sad for little 11 year old Muggleborns that are going into Diagon Alley right now because it's not what it should be for right? them. And that makes me sad. But you go to Green Guts to exchange your Muggle money for wizarding money. So is it taking five hours to do an exchange? That would suck. I don't know about that because they don't have to go down into the vaults for that. I guess not. And maybe they are short staffed or because there's so many security people that have to be up front. Yeah. They just don't have enough to go down to the vault. So it's Something. taking like one at a time. Yeah. And whoever can go can go. That sucks. But yeah. But anyway, Fleur purrs, purrs 
flirpers. The book literally says purrs and strokes Bill's nose. Gross. And calls him so thoughtful. He is so thoughtful. And Jenny mimes vomiting in her cereal behind her. <laughs> which makes Harry choke on his cereal because he's trying not to laugh. Hey, I James Potter, would love moments like this. Oh, yeah. Just this little moment right here would have made it a lot more believable that him and Jenny got together. Right? Literally just this moment. Little things like that. And it would be so much better than shoelace. That Open can stay up, up here you. if you would like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that too. But. We will get to that. And we will mime vomiting into our cereal. Yeah. Not even mime. I might actually vomit. Hmm. So anyway, they get ready to go to Diagon Alley and Ron's pretty happy about the fact that they can get cars from the ministry again. And Mr. Like Weasley's is like, out. don't get used to this. This is for Harry. I'm he sure has... that rubs Ron the wrong way. Yes and no. I think he's getting more used to it now. He seems to have gotten past a lot of that trauma in the fourth book. Oh, he still gets pissed off, though, because Harry says that later on in this book. There's certain things that he notices are making Ron mad. Yeah. But he took him getting better grades than him pretty well. He took him getting Quidditch captain. Like, Ron just needs to accept himself for how he is. Right. You're good as you, Ron. Mr. Weasley also mentions that they're going to get extra security at the Leaky Cauldron. And Harry's just like, oh, my God, I have to shop with a bunch of horrors. This is going to fucking suck. We can't get up to the usual shenanigans we do if that's the case. It's not who you think it is, Harry. And he's like, if the invisibility cloak is good enough for Dumbledore, it should be good enough for the ministry. But he also doesn't think they actually know about the invisibility cloak. So, Which is also a random interesting fact. Harry's cloak is technically... A historical artifact. Yeah. And I guess it's meant to be kept a secret historical artifact. But I feel like that would be something the ministry would like to know about. Not that they should know about it, but I mean, Voldemort knows about it. Well, historical artifact, yes, but also mythological artifact. Nobody That's knows true. for a lot of sure people that don't it think... really exists. Yeah, people don't think it's real. They don't think it's real or they don't even know about it. But it belongs in Harry's family. It had been passed down and passed down and mm -hmm. passed down. So there's no reason for other people to know about it. I guess, yeah. There hasn't been somebody being like, oh, this has been in our family for a millennia. And it's not going to cause the same desire yeah. and murderous intent that... Because the third the brother was does. humble. Yes. But anyway, they make it to the Leaky Cauldron, and Harry is super happy to see that it's not Orr's there to be his extra security. Mm. It's Hagrid. Just like old times. Just like old it? times. I also love that he hugs Harry, and the literal first thing he says to him is Buckbeak. I mean, Witherwings is so happy to be back out in the open air. Oh, like, that's so sweet. And Harry's just like, well, I'm glad he's pleased. Like, he was going to give him to anybody else. It's Hagrid's hippogriff. I know that we will get there, but when Harry bows to Buckbeak and says, are you missing him too, and pets him, I'm just like, don't, don't, oh my God. <laughs> but I'm also happy that Buckbeak is able to be out in the fresh air and yeah. not be near creature trying to break his leg or stab him or whatever he's doing to him. <laughs> him, right? Oh. But anyway, 
they go through the leaky cauldron and you got Tom behind the bar wiping it down, looking up like customers. And they're like, sorry, now, just Tom. passing through. Aww. And he like looks back down. And- Did you ever watch Drawn Together? No. I was thinking of bed knobs and broomsticks, but no, it was this like reality TV show cartoon on Adult Swim. So not for kids it. at all. <laughs> and they created a whole bunch of cartoon characters that were clearly mockeries of real cartoon characters. Like mm-hmm. there was a Pikachu character. There was a SpongeBob character. There was a Ling. I think I character, remember that. But one, the character, there was the Pikachu character was Ling Ling. And there was an episode where they discovered. Oh, that's not offensive. Right. <laughs> There was an episode where they discovered that if you disappointed Ling Ling, he produced a hallucinogen. So they were deliberately doing things to disappoint so him so they could lick him and get high. Oh, my God. And one of the things that they would do, like, hey, Ling Ling, Christmas is coming early this year. And Ling Ling would be like, Arr? and then they go, just kidding. Christmas is canceled. And he'd go, <laughs> and then they'd lick him and it was so funny very it was similar such a funny fucking episode but that's how i picture tom in this moment just very excited and yeah but they make their way through leaky cauldron to the brick wall hagrid taps that brick with his pink umbrella and it opens up to the winding cobbled street that is diagon alley but different but it is different because what is normally like bright and colorful and glittery and like magical is now covered with basically large versions of those purple flyers, but now they're in poster form. And it's so it's all the security advice and letting them know what murder munchers are at large. I feel like it's very similar to when Grindelwald calls his followers and all the like black sheets kind of come out and cover oh, the buildings. Yeah. I feel like that's almost what's happening. And it's just like, completely changing the vibe of Diagon Alley. It's suddenly dark and scary and doesn't really seem like a place you want to go. Right. You also have a lot of places like Florian Fortescue's ice cream parlor boarded up. There's random shabby looking stalls that probably just make it look a little extra trashy that they're trying to sell things like amulets that are effective against werewolves, dementors, and inferior. And Mr. Weasley's ready to, like, put on his duty hat and start arresting people right then and there. And Molly's like, leave it. <laughs> Amulet to protect your daughter, my dear. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I'm good. No, Thank no, you. No. They should have people like that in Universal. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be so funny. <laughs> but this is other things that would have been kind of neat to see, too. Yes. Because they totally skip over going there and they just transition it right into them being at the joke shop mm-hmm. and you don't see much after but yeah. still, it's not it's not as good it yeah. just kind of looks like when it shows it after it just kind of looks like they're in nocturne alley it looks dark yeah that's it like you were saying mrs weasley is completely in mom mode and just absolutely freaking out she doesn't even want him to separate she wants them to all go to each store as one big whole group and arthur's like this Mama is not really mine. practical these are the ones that need robes. Why don't we send Harry, Ron, and Hermione with Hagrid to get their robes, and we'll go to Flourish and Blotts and get everyone's books. Poor Ginny. She's just stuck with her parents. It'd be like that. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley, total mama mode, is super nervous, but Hagrid just like, relax, we're going to be fine. And they all do actually split the party. <laughs> Never split the party. Right? This is not an episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> 
Harry notices that a lot of people do have the same expression on their face as Mrs. Weasley. And they're all like really staying close together in groups. They're kind of not making eye contact with other people and just going where they need to go. Nobody is shopping alone. That would be so terrifying, though. Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't know who, if you look at them the wrong way, if they're going to take you. Right. And take your kids, you know? So they get to Madame Malkin's because Ron and Harry both need new robes and Hermione needed the new dress robes. Hagrid's like, yeah, I'm big. I'm going to wait out here. You guys go on in. Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> what's going to happen in Madame Malkin's, right? Well, famous last words because... Hagrid always has the good last words, right? right? When they get into Madame Malkin's, which seems empty at first entrance, they realize it's not when they hear none other than Nazi von Douchebag II's voice coming. Not a child, mother. From, yeah, behind a rack <laughs> of roads. What a turd. So he also wants to be shopping on his own. His mother is insisting on staying with him because, you know, to be fair, what murder muncher is going to fuck with Draco Mouthboy? They might because they all are disappointed in Lucius. So yeah. if he was alone, it, it might actually be pretty dangerous for him. They also got to realize that they're not going to be in Azkaban for the long run and he's going to get out of there and be pissed if they fuck with his son. I'm going to be truthful. I don't think that Lucius is good at magic. I think he's, he's good at douchebaggery. He's good at rubbing elbows with people who he's are good scary. at bribing people. Yes, he's good at rubbing elbows with the scary people. He's not good at magic. Yeah. I, I would see that. However, he did almost Avada Kedavra a 12-year-old, so you know he's totally stable. In the movie, I don't know that he was doing that in the books. Like, that's just fucking stupid. I did share a video yesterday on Facebook of this guy wearing a really long blonde wig, and he's swinging it around, and it says, <laughs> Lucius Malfoy after fucking bullying some 12-year-olds, and it's hilarious because it's true. It is true. Anyway, Narcissa doesn't want her son to go off alone. And Madame Melkin's like, no, like, you should not go wandering off on your own. And Draco just cuts her off and yells at her. What's even more frustrating for me is the fact that Narcissa's totally cool with this. He tells her to watch where she's sticking her pin. I don't know if Narcissa is okay with it. I think... She knows why he's saying that. Probably. And I think she knows that they have to play this role right now because if they don't, they're going to end up right next to Lucius. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how Draco was raised. You know, I don't know how he treated Bellatrix or how he treats, like, people he actually likes. I can't imagine anybody in the world even related to her would treat her with anything other than caution because she's fucking crazy true but he i guess he also didn't like grow up with her because she was gone oh, by the time true. he was one but like people that draco did grow up around was he respectful to like crab and goyle's dads when I they mean, came he's around not respectful to crab and goyle so I, he's not but their dads are different i know sure that he treats crab and goyle the same way lucius treated crab and goyle's dads who are also crab and goyle oh yes just to make that <laughs> extra confusing but, like, he treats Snape with reverence. He used to. He did, yes. And he treats Slughorn with, you know, he calls him Sir. He still has some. Oh, because he's trying to suck his dick, not because he actually has respect for him. 
I know, but like that, that was crude. He was that, just sucking up. <laughs> that still rings some I understand how to be in this world. Like I may hate everybody, but I understand in order to get far in this world, I have to be polite to yeah. some extent. So I feel like Narcissa is probably like, damn it, like stop being rude to this lady who's making your fucking robes. Like, come on. But at the same time, she's also like, oh, he has the dark mark and like, yeah, sh- sh- I don't want her Let's to Let's not that. draw attention to yeah. it. So it's kind of that situation. It's also entirely possible that she just didn't get the chance to say anything because he is immediately distracted when he sees the trio's reflection that in the mirror. True. So then he goes from snapping at Madame Malkin to telling his mom, if you're wondering what that smell is, a mudblood just walked in. And Madame Malcolm is like, there is no need for that language. I know. So at least somebody admonishes him. But she also in- turns around right away and tells Harry and Ron to put their wands away. This poor woman, she's like, what, what is happening in my shop? <laughs> Nancy Von Douchebag II is not the slightest bit concerned that Never. these two have pulled their wands out because he's like, you're not going to do magic outside of school. And Madame Malcolm's just like, ma'am, please help me here. Oh my God. Narcissa. <laughs> Narcissa's version of helping is to tell them to put their wands away and to say, if you attack my son again, it'll be the last thing you ever do. If I was Madame Malkin, I would be like, get out of my shop. I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) She doesn't, though. No. She keeps trying to sell these robes. (laughs) I get it. Hard times. You need some money. Sassy Harry steps out. He's so rude in this moment. I get it. But, like, Harry. Right. Woof. Looks Narcissa right in the face and says, oh, are you going to get some of your Death Eater pals to do us in? And Madame Malkin's just like, oh, my God, you can't make those accusations. How does she not know, though? These are the Malfoys. You're about to sell them some shit. Like, literally, Lucius is in jail for being a Death Eater. Yeah, but, you know. Ma'am, ma'am. She again tells them to put their wands away. Harry's not, and Narcissa says... Clearly, being Dumbledore's favorite has given you a false sense of security, but he's not always going to be there to protect you. This is the best sassy Harry moment. But that is such a huge clue. That is a huge clue. Yeah. Like, she's literally saying there is a plot to kill Dumbledore without saying there's a plot to kill Dumbledore. And it's just such a nonchalant little comment that she makes. I guess it is, but I bet, you know, Harry's not a Ravenclaw. He's probably just like, oh, he's old. He's going to die soon. Right. But like you said, he instead goes for the super sassy response. This is my favorite. Of, oh well, he's not here now. Why don't you have a go, and then they can find you a double cell in Azkaban with your loser husband. Harry's being super cocky right now. One drop, and it's a problem because the Ministry is already infiltrated by Death Eaters. So Harry, you're making a lot of outrageous claims that might not last. Like you said, though. Harry is not a Ravenclaw. The dumbass is what he is. Malfoy yells at Harry for talking to his mother like that. Narcissa's like, it's fine. I expect Potter will be reunited with dear Sirius before I'm reunited with Lucius. That's a death threat. That is a death threat. That's a death threat. However, Madame Malkin might not know. (laughs) She might be like, oh, what Sirius are they talking about? Right. What I think is hilarious is at this point, Madame Malkin just gives up. 
I'm just going to do this. She just gives up trying to intervene and she's just like, well, nothing's happening. I'm just going to go back to pinning these robes. And she says something about thinking the left sleeve needs to be a little shorter. And when she reaches for it, Malfoy yells, ouch, tells her again to watch where she's sticking her pins and then says, you know what? I don't think I want these anymore. Pulls them off throws them at Madame Malcolm's feet because he earned the fucking nickname Nazi von Duschbag the seconds. Indeed. And Narcissa says, I agree. Now that we know what kind of scum shops here, we'll do better at twill fit and tattings. That was our trivia question. But can I say, Malfoy's arc, Draco's arc, not Lucius, fuck that guy. Draco's arc, the way that it goes, I'm pretty sure that Nazi von Douchebag the first is just on a steady decline. Whereas, yeah, it's an actual arc for the second. For Draco, I think when he marries Astoria, which if you don't consider Cursed Child canon, that's on you. The author says it's canon. It's canon. Sorry. Like, that's. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like it. She wrote the world. She says it fits into the world. Whatever. But. Astoria, I think, really helps change Draco and his tune. And I think that that's a really big deal because all of these stories, as we have pointed out multiple times, are all about love and how love is like your ever-growing thing. And then Astoria has a blood curse and she ends up dying. And Draco ends up having to basically raise his son by himself. Yeah. And his son's best friend is a potter. So I think Draco's little arc of having to grow and be a better person... Like, yeah. Does he suck? Yes. Do most 16-year-olds suck? Yes. yes. Now, not to this extent. Most 16-year-olds are not, like... But most 16-year-olds also don't have Nazis for Nazis. parents. That is true. And his you parents hope. don't change. That's something Draco says in Cursed Child. He says something about how they didn't ever like Astoria. Aw. And it's very disappointing. And just kind of shows that... that they did they didn't really change but it's kind of like how boomers are like i'm a millennial with boomer parents and my my parents are pretty forward thinking and stuff like that but some of my aunts and uncles are not that way and seeing how they respond versus how i respond and how their children respond like how gentle parenting is becoming a thing and how boomers don't really view that as like actual parenting yeah it's just like you growing on your own. And I think Draco is hitting that tippy top point where he's a piece of garbage. But this book is where he starts to realize this is not what I want to do. Yeah. Because I think in seven, he's like, oh. A lot of what he does is absolutely out of fear. At this point, I think it's more out of revenge. I think he's angry about what happened to his father. Well, and yes, he's at this point. making poor decisions because he's pissed. Yes, I agree. But eventually it reaches a point where he's, he's just crying in the scared. back room and talking to Myrtle about how yeah. scared he is. He's backed into a corner. So they decide that they don't need these robes. Nazi von Duschbach the second throws them on the floor and they leave. And it says that Malfoy purposely bangs into Ron as he's walking past him, like as hard as he can. Classy dude. Are you it's, five? Right. <laughs> On the plus side, magic. Madame Malcolm just uses her wand to, like, essentially vacuum off the robes. 
suck all the pins out and put them back into her yeah pin and then goes ahead and fits ron and harry for their robes but she's so distracted she tries to sell hermione wizard dress robes instead sad. of witches she's just like these fucking kids in my shop what right the hell? and she gets them fitted bows them out but seems to be very glad to be rid of them <laughs> which i think is interesting like it kind of shows that she'll just sell robes to whoever she doesn't care she who just you wants are. to make a sale yeah just make the money but i think that's also telling of the times she probably doesn't have a lot of money because not many people are coming to diagon alley so take who you can get right right yeah it's true hagrid meets them back outside and wants to know if they got everything harry says just about and then asks him if he saw the malfoys leave but Hagrid's not really concerned. He doesn't think they're going to cause problems in Diagon Alley like they're out in fucking public. Hagrid. Sweet, sweet Hagrid. <laughs> well. But then they meet back up with all of the others. Mrs. Weasley wants them to go stop at the apothecary and Ilops together on their way to Fred and George's store. So they have to all stick close. Harry and Ron don't buy any potion ingredients because they don't think they get to take potions since they only got exceeds expectations. I'm really proud of Ron for getting an exceeds expectations. And I'm potions. telling you, I think Snape is actually good at imparting information. I think he just sucks he's... at teaching. What does Harry say when he's taking his owl? He said it's a lot more easy to do potions without Snape breathing down his neck. Right. And even Neville does. I think Neville passes his potions one. It's just like an acceptable. Yeah. So still... Yes, no, I, I, I think you're right. I think something's going on in there, yeah, even if I they're can't scared. Call him a good teacher because there are a lot more pieces to being a good teacher yes. than uh, being good at your subject and passing it along to other people. Like engaging your students out of fear is not engaging your students. Correct. However, if he sucked at educating, none of them would have passed. Yeah, he just needs a lot of therapy. As we have talked <laughs> But at Ilops, they do buy some owl nuts for Hedwig and Pigwidgeon. That's so cute. And then they finally get to go to the Weasley's Wizard Breezes. And there are no purple flyers here. There is all of the just dazzling, popping, flashing, bouncing, streaking window displays that has people stopping and staring because nothing else in Diagon Alley is like that at it's this very point. Colorful. They're just like completely ignoring the shit that's going on. And one of my favorite things is they do have one purple poster. Mm -hmm. Gigantic purple Gigantic. poster. Gigantic. It at first glance looks like the ministry posters, but the letters are flashing yellow and they say, why are you worrying about you know who? You should be worrying about you, you know poo. poo. The constipation sensation that's gripping the nation. And Harry thinks this is hilarious. Obviously. Starts to laugh. Not only is it a poop joke. It fucking rhymes. Like there's so much genius perfect. in this. Mrs. Weasley is just positive they're going to be murdered in their beds. And Ron also finds it funny and says that he doesn't think they will because it's brilliant. Which, agreed. It's fucking funny. It is brilliantly hilarious. 
But that doesn't mean like something being funny doesn't mean that Voldemort is not going to take offense and actually try to have them murdered in their beds. Like, you mean the fragile porcelain doll of a man would be offended by somebody making a you know poo joke? Oh, I won't believe it. Not no. I kind of wonder where everybody else stands on this. Well, I think that Ron thinks that his brothers are just too talented to get entrapped by Voldemort. Possible. Personally, that's my thought process. I also don't think at this point that Voldemort himself would step foot into Diagon Alley and they live in Diagon Alley. And I don't think that any of the murder munchers would be dumb enough to tell him about that sign because A, how do you do that with a straight face? True. And B, who wants to be in a kill the messenger situation? Also true. (laughs) But if for some reason Voldemort did find out about this... Do you think that the <laughs> twins would be murdered in their bed? Or do you think that? Mm-mm. I think they got that shield charm yeah. shit and they're like, no. absolutely not. You know what? I bet they did a shield charm on their like door. Possibly. I'm here for that. They that would be cool. It. But it would be nice to know all of your all's opinion oh, yeah. on this as well. I think that's going to be our pondering. This is the one store in Diagon Alley that is not suffering from everything else that Diagon Alley is suffering from. It is packed with people that's so cute and then like i think they did a very good job with the store i loved the way that it looked we didn't bring it into this part because we're nearing the end of where we cut the chapter Mm -hmm. and it lines up better with the second half because they spend quite a bit more time in the store this is just us kind of getting there i think i particularly like the choice of making the shop orange yeah because it's very Weasley. Yes, I do love that. But there are just boxes piled to the ceiling with the skiving snacks boxes. So you've got the puking pastels, the nosebleed nuggets, the fever fudge. There are some other ones too. Yeah. Canary creams are in that too. Yeah, I think. canary creams. They've got trick wands, boxes of quills that will self ink, spell check, and smart answer. I really like that they kept the trick ones because they give some of those to Ludo. Yeah. And he's like, oh, these are great. These are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so cute that they kept them as part of their shop. Apparently, there's a gaggle of girls that are watching oh. a tiny little wooden man making his way up steps to a real set of mini gallows. <laughs> I know that's weird. To a real set of mini gallows. I know it's weird, but like, that's kind of cute. Reusable hangman. I mean, how is it any different from playing it on paper? It's just a little more realistic. Spell it or he'll swing. I love it That's so, so much. intense. Hermione makes her way through the crowd and finds this display that says patented daydream charms, describing it as an incantation that will let whoever uses it enter a quality, realistic 30-minute daydream. Top quality. Top quality. Perfect to fit in the middle of a lesson. The only real side effects are that maybe you'll look kind of vacant. There might be some drooling. But otherwise, it's pretty undetectable. And she says, you know, that's really extraordinary magic. And this voice behind her says, Hermione, for that compliment, you can have one for free. And this is why I'm a Fred Hermione shipper. I love it. Fred and Hermione are like, I understand she marries Ron. 
to be fair, Fred wasn't around for her to marry. Now I'm sad. But <laughs> there's so many good little quippies yeah. with them and their conversations. Like, if Fred had been around, I think that they would be, like, best in-law friends, you know? Like, even if they didn't get married. But I really ship Fred and Hermione. It's one of my favorites. Plus. Hermione. Like you love to say, the twins are so freaking smart. And it's not that Ron's not smart, but he's not the same level as the twins. And I think there's more. Plus, I kind of get the impression that Fred is kind of more the leader of the two twins. The twins are also so hyper caring. They care so much about their family. Mm -hmm. Like in the first one. When they all stay behind, they come in to make sure Ron's having a good Christmas and like Percy comes in and they make him put on his jumper. Yeah. Because he's like, you're not sitting with the prefects today. You're sitting with family. family. They are so family oriented. They're so sweet. They put on your jumper. They're lovely and warm. Yeah. They buy Molly new robes and like a gold necklace for this Christmas because they have money. And they're like talking about how, well, now that we have to wash our own socks, like we we appreciate you so much. much. I know. They're good boys. They are are are. good boys. Like, yeah, they might have gotten in trouble a lot, but they have good hearts and they're both very smart. Yeah. I agree. I, I think have goosebumps <laughs> talking about my twins. My biggest woe for something that got left out of this scene is that Fred and George were not wearing magenta robes. They are wearing three piece suits that are very attractive on James and Oliver oh, Phelps. Oh, no. But I literally. I am sad about the magenta robes. I agree. Love James and Oliver Phelps. And they looked great in those suits. But the magenta robes would have been perfect. But the magenta robes. Like, I just wanted to see that with the red hair. And... They definitely are quirky in the movies, but it's not, like, the same kind of quirky. It's not the quirky. same. It's not the same. I loved the fact, I've talked about this in previous episodes, but I loved the fact that there was so much focus in the books about how much wizards sucked at dressing like muggles. <laughs> so I hated the fact that in the movies, they always had them dressed like muggles. There is a point in the books, though, where they talk about how Harry specifically says that him and the Weasley boys were pretty good about dressing like muggles because they did it during the holidays anyways, wearing jeans and t-shirts. But the adults in the Wizarding World were not very good at dressing like muggles. But the adults in the Wizarding World, like Mr. Weasley, is wearing khakis and a sweater vest in this scene, I think. Yeah. So what? You're dressed like a muggle. Just fine. Yeah. (laughs) But it's Fred in his magenta robes. He's so cute. Offering Hermione this free Patchetton daydream. I wonder if she takes it. Does she take it? When does she do She it? would not use it during class, she, though. She gets stressed out about Lav Lav and goes up and is like, <gasps> yeah. Oh, here's the incantation. But Fred shakes Harry's hand, asks Hermione what happened to her eyes. See, he's so sweet. And when she tells him that it was his punching telescope, he's just like, oh, here, Bruce remover. It'll get rid of it within the hour. Hermione's like, is it safe, though? And Fred's like, oh, yeah, we had to find something that worked really well since we're testing most of our products on ourselves. (laughs) Like when they got boils on their butts. Right. (laughs) And then he offers Harry a tour, which we find out later on in this scene that they consider Harry to be their financial backer. So he's like, he was. Yeah. So he's like their angel investor and it's his store too, even though he's like the silent partner. 
But he gives him a tour, starting with the back of the shop. And that just leaves Hermione there dabbing yellow paste onto her black eye. And this is where we cut off the scene because it works best with the actual the movie piece. scene yep. to just kind of pick it up on this tour. Because the movie scene really starts to show more of what's going on in the store. I love this scene so much, though. Honestly, book and movie, I think. I know it glosses over it really quickly in the movie, but there's so much. You see so much. Yeah. And when you go into the Weasley Wizard Wheezes in Diagon Alley in <laughs> Universal, it is just like this. It is great. It's great. The only thing that sucks about Universal's Diagon Alley is how many people are there. God, that's true. But that'll bring us to the Potter Pondering, which is, are you team Molly in that you think the twins are going to be murdered in their beds? Or are you team Ron that it's just brilliant? About the You Know Poo poster. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. We do not have a Sorting Hat story this week, though. Obviously, we're always, always accepting. still accepting them. So if you just recently found us or hell, if you want your story read again because you've grown a little bit in the years we've been doing this, by all means, send them in. We will read them. We do, however, have a wizarding word, and I am pretty excited about this oh, one. Yeah, they're so cute. So excited. Because Harry Potter and Reebok partnered together to create shoes super cute shoes harry potter shoes and not just house line not just house line apparently at the moment they're only available in the u.s but that does not mean that you couldn't you know find somebody through this podcast that lives in the u.s and partner with them to get them and have them send them to you i.e. us right and we'll trade like if you got stuff in your country let us know we'll figure it out But like I said, it's a collection made by Reebok, inspired by the Wizarding Worlds. Says it takes you through Harry's journey over his seven years at Hogwarts. Oh, that's cute. The adult footwear starts with the Club C, inspired by Harry's first day as a first year, and ends with the classic leather, which highlights each of the Deathly Hallows relics. Mm. So the Club C is the one that's the house shoes. So they've got the Hufflepuff, which is black and yellow slytherin is black and green the laces all look like the movie ties Mm -hmm. the ravenclaw is black and blue and the gryffindor is red and black but then like i said it's the the ravenclaw laces are not the right color well that's because it's movie yes they screwed that up but whatever poor ravenclaws Poor our husbands. They, they don't get merch. <laughs> <laughs> they do have interchangeable laces as oh, well. Oh, well, that's good. But it doesn't show those pictures. I feel like it would not be that hard to find somebody who does the shoelaces in the correct the colors. Auntie, so yeah. you can fix them. Yeah. So then there's the classic leather hexalite, which these are the first pair that I saw that I was like, well, I need those. They're because cute. They're inspired by the Patronus charm, which also means they're teal. And that's why I need them. Mm-hmm. 
But then they have a, a Patronus on the tongue. Oh my God, they're so freaking cute. They're like, What's the Patronus on the tongue? Is it the stag? It's the stag. Oh, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. They also have the Instapump Fury, which is murder muncher related. It yeah. has the dark mark on the front. It's kind of like a dark, greeny, tealy, black and white shoe. It says, he who must not be named on the inside. They're really cool. I would wear these too, oh, even yeah, though cute. I'm not yeah, no. typically dark mark related excited we still go into borgen and burke though oh absolutely <laughs> it's because it's air conditioning yeah, <laughs> sure. and then they have the classic leather ones which are probably the most those just are cute versatile shoe mm-hmm. you could literally wear them with anything because they're like black and brown suede leather and it says the deathly hallows on the side and has the symbol on the tongue so mm-hmm. check them out they're so freaking cute apparently the invisibility cloak is hidden on the inside of the tongue oh that's cute the metal lace lock resembles the resurrection stone at the bottom oh okay and then so they are other silhouettes that have hidden details oh i like that so i want like at least three pairs of them at this point i love a good reebok anyways right are like my go-to shoes but yeah so we're super excited about those pretty awesome Check them out. We found the original article about them through Wizarding Worlds yes. and then the links through there. But like I said, we'll post that on our Facebook page as well. But yeah, that is our Wizarding Word for this week. So now we'll move into the trivia question. So this week's trivia question is, what is the name of the witch that works for Fred and George? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag Mr. Weasley and Mr. Weasley will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, then you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Make sure to email us at foxsakepod at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at Pod will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at ForFoxSakePodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to become a patron... You can find us on Patreon at Foxsake Pod. Patronage starts at $2 and will get you some awesome perks like For Foxsake Swag, access to our Discord channel, chats, and more. Check out our page for details. Any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 6, Draco's Detour, and the semi-corresponding film scenes. You mean I have things to do? Woo! Thanks for listening. Hope you hear us again. I'm Carly. I'm Ellen. And we are... For Fox Fox Sake. Sake.